This podcast is sponsored by Active Skin Repair, a skin health company helping people heal with non-toxic medical-grade ingredients. Active Skin Repair can be used to treat a wide range of skin issues, including cuts, scrapes, burns, sunburns, rashes, diaper rashes, and other types of skin damage. I discovered Active Skin Repair and their baby spray from my community when our daughter was a newborn and had constant diaper rashes, and it really helped and continues to help. Containing hypochlorous acid, which is an effective option for helping with yeast diaper rashes, we just spray or dab active skin repair onto the skin with a clean cloth or cotton ball let's sit for 15 seconds and then apply our balm or ointment of choice with over 500,000 happy customers and thousands of five-star reviews you now have one simple solution for all of your family's skin health needs visit www.activeskinrepair.com to learn more about active skin repair and to get 20% off your order using code PEDSDOC that's p-e-d-s-d-o-c the other aspect of my passion with Pete's Doc Talk is not just about the education, like sleeping, eating, feeding, behavior, all of that is so important, but it's also how do we block out that noise? How do we filter out all the things that are not serving us? Because that is how I can see and make the most progress and more breakthroughs with moms in my office, right? When we were like, hey, why are you feeling this way? Why are we you know, feeling that this is not going a certain way that you hoped and how can I help you understand that we're going to get through this, that you are capable. Welcome back to the show. I am Dr. Mona, and I want to really thank you all for being here, your reviews, your shares on social media. This podcast has grown beyond my wildest dreams, and it brings me so much joy. I love the Finding Joy series, but I also really love this series, the Monday Mornings with Dr. Mona, where I talk with moms or any parent in this community about questions and concerns that they have. And on this episode, I invite Deepika. Now, this episode is not like the educational parenting ones. This is a parental mindset one, which I also think is so important. We can't just approach parenting from a, I'm going to parent my kid and there's nothing else involved here. We have to understand the noise that surrounds us, our insecurities and our past, because that really defines how we're going to show up for our children. So on this episode, I talk with her. She is 37 weeks pregnant. So she's almost at that stage of being a new mom. And I speak with her about how to filter out the noise and listen to your own wants as a mother, as you navigate the entire journey of motherhood. Listen in. Hey, Deepika, thank you so much for joining me on Monday mornings with Dr. Mona. Tell me what is on your mind today. Hi, thank you so much for having me. Um, So I am 37 weeks pregnant today, 37 and change. And honestly, lately, the only things on my mind are everything parenting and baby related. (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, as we get closer, there's definitely a lot of just different emotions. There's obviously excitement and all of that, but there's also a lot of anxiety and um, questioning what's right and what I should be doing. How do I prep? What kinds of decisions do I want to make for my baby? It seems like there are so many questions out there. Um, We're expecting a boy. So everything that you can think of, it keeps going through my mind. And I keep wondering, will I make the right decisions? Will Will I know what to do for my baby? That's all I keep thinking about. Oh, I'm so happy that you're here. Not because, you know, I love talking about this topic that we're going to get into, you know, how to filter out all of that information and all of that noise and kind of listening to your own wants as a mom. But also I'm just really excited when I get to talk to 
moms to be, you know, however that baby's coming into your life, but you're like right in it 37 weeks. So first of all, thank you so much for joining me on this conversation when I know you have a lot on your mind, like you said, you know, all things parenting and prepping. And so it really means a lot that you're taking the time to talk with me and chat with me about a role that I really, really love. You know, I love being a mom and I want other mothers to love being a mom, but also understand that it is okay if you don't like every day, every moment, um, that some days are going to be hard, but that in the end of the day, you're going to really say, this is actually an awesome thing that I get to do, raise a kid. So thank you so much for being here today. Yeah, I'm really excited to be here. I love listening to your podcasts and I look forward to your Instagram content as well. So a lot of amazing information that I try to soak in. Um, And I'm really looking forward to all the tips that you might have to share with me today. Yeah. And I could talk about this for hours. You know, Um, I love talking about education on my platform, as you know, but the other aspect of my passion with Pete's Doc Talk is not just about the education, like sleeping, eating, feeding, behavior, all of that is so important, but it's also how do we block out that noise? How do we filter out all the things that are not serving us? Because that is how I can see and make the most progress and more breakthroughs with moms in my office, right? When we were like, Hey, why are you feeling this way? Why are we, you know, feeling that this is not going a certain way that you hoped? And how can I help you understand that we're going to get through this, that you are capable. And as someone who's starting the journey out, right, three weeks till your full term, I hit the jackpot and who to talk to this about, right? You have a blank slate in the sense that you have not started the motherhood journey yet, meaning you have started the prep, but you have not had that baby in your arms yet. And the commentary that people will tend to have and all of the information that's out there can be so overwhelming and it can be so frustrating to have to go through all of it and know what you're doing, you know, if it's right. You said already that, you know, you're having a boy and you're like thinking about all the different things that the decisions you have to make and making the right choices. And are you making the right choice? First of all, I will say there is a lot of information out there and yeah, I am so glad that you are part of my community. I hope that I can continue to provide resources and information that is not overwhelming. And I created this in mind, right? My new mom survival guide and my podcast, I really tried to look at children with a big picture lens. And because that's how I practice medicine and that's how I approach parenting, that's actually what I try to teach so many moms and moms to be in that we really need to look at the big picture of everything that we do. So when you are looking at a decision, right? Let's just say you are deciding whether you are going to breastfeed or formula feed as an example. Okay. Mm -hmm. You have to look at, here's the recommendations that I hear that breastfeeding is great, that it's important, but I also know that many babies are formula fed. You may have been formula fed, you know, someone who's formula fed, and I know it's a great alternative and it's just another method of feeding. We want to look at things not as black and white, but as there are options in my journey as a mom. And when we can start to have that flexibility, I think that's the first thing that I wanted to share in that flexibility in our approach in motherhood. It may seem like you may be more lackadaisical or like more like, oh, I don't know. But in actuality, you can look at various things and say, hey, I heard about puree or baby led weaning, or I heard about breastfeeding and formula. I would love to breastfeed my baby, but I also know that if it doesn't work out or I don't love it, that there are resources and there are options to feed my baby that's not breastfeeding, right? So going in it with a, I have this vision 
but it's okay if that vision doesn't go according to plan is to me, one of the best things. And I wish I did more of that when I first started out, but it's something I learned throughout the last two and a half years of being a mom that I really feel can help when you start to get that noise from family members, the noise from all of the information that you're reading to understand that I know my options here and I'm going to make that choice based on what works best for my situation, my mental health, my situation with my resources and my partner. Um, And that's how you know it's going to be the best choice for you. Right. Yeah, I, I agree. I think that's the most frustrating part is all of the noise out there. And I'm the kind of person where you know, I want to know the science or I want to know the logic. I'd rather not um, just do something because our parents did it one way or our grandparents did it one way. And I feel like for me, at least in my situation, there's also a lot of that cultural battle mm-hmm. that adds to all of the noise with both my parents and my in-laws being from India. Every time I talk to them, I hear a new piece of (laughs) and it's all, you know, it's all meant to be helpful, but sometimes it could be so much trying to see from a cultural aspect, but also from a medical aspect and also what's available, the knowledge that we have today. And, um, you know, I'll talk to my friends, my siblings who've all gone through similar things, but it's just so empowering when you hear, um, you know, people like yourself talk about you have options. It's not all black and white. You can make decisions for yourself. For your breastfeeding example, I took a class from the hospital and it was a three-hour class. And I think they were promoting a lot of, you want to breastfeed as much as possible and you want to try to do, it'll be awesome if you could just simply breastfeed for the first 12 months. And if the hospital is telling you that, that's great. But, you know, in the back of my mind, I kept thinking there has to be more options. Maybe there are ways to even have the right balance where you do breastfeed if you're able to, but you're also able to supplement with other sources just mm-hmm. to, you know, to figure out what works for you and your family and for your baby. Well, and that's a great example because I knew all of that, right? Like, meaning I know breastfeeding is great, but I also know because I'm a pediatrician that I know that formula is also great because I see patients who have had both, right? Like I see the healthy children who were raised on formula. I see the healthy children who are raised on breast milk. And I see that it's not just about breast versus formula. And like you said, a lot of my families do combo feeding, right? A lot of my families maybe pump only, right? And then they're told that they're not doing it right. Where, you know, no, true breastfeeding is at the breast, but no, like it's actually, you're feeding your baby. That is what is great, right? We want our baby to be fed using that example. And one of the other tips that I have besides flexibility with your choices and understanding to be more, you know, managing of the expectations is having a lot of compassion for ourselves and for others. And it kind of ties into what you're saying with your in-laws. I also, at the time of this recording, my mother-in-law and father-in-law are visiting and my child's a little bit older, right? He's now two and a half, but Mm -hmm. I struggle with the friction that happens because they raised their children differently. But when I start to get into those friction modes where I want to, ah, I want to like snap or I want to say, stop, you know, stop. Like, can you listen to what I'm saying? I have learned one of the biggest tips is having compassion for my mother-in-law, for my father-in-law when they say those things. And what I mean by that is understanding 
where they're coming from, even if you disagree. This is so hard to do as a human being, but it is so valuable because it'll bring you peace. So rather than me getting upset at my grandma for giving my son cookies, right? I'm going to be an example. I tell myself, I don't like that he's getting cookies. Okay. That's my feeling. I'm recognizing my feeling. I'm not feeling bad about feeling this way, but I also understand that my mother-in-law really loves connecting with my son through food, which is something that a lot of grandparents love to do. Now I have to also look at the boundaries, right? What are your parenting goals and philosophies? So if you go in, you know, wanting to make a decision for your child around how you approach tantrums, how you approach feeding, There has to be some non-negotiables that you create before you get to that phase of a mother-in-law or father-in-law being in the picture, right? So just say you have a six-month-old that's now there and your mother-in-law staying with you. Before they come into your home or, you know, before that time comes, you have to talk to yourself and your partner, if you have one, on what do we want to do with approaching feeding? Example, my mother-in-law is it's a mass chaos at meals times when my in-laws are here because Ryan understands that my mother-in-law is going to cave and give the sweets and give all of that. And I had to talk to my husband and pull him aside and say, Hey, I get where your mom is coming from. I'm not angry at her. I'm not upset. I have some compassion for her, but what are our goals here? Do we want to just let it go for the week? And then we are fine. And, you know, we pick up the pieces a little bit, or will you be on my side? in setting the boundaries that are important for us. And we decided because they're only here for a week that we can let them spoil him a little bit because it's only for a week. But your role is when you have that noise coming in, right? Like do this and don't do this. When it starts to become a lot, we have to first figure out a dumping technique to kind of just almost imagine like a bucket in front of your body. And literally rather than it absorbing into you like a sponge, I want you to imagine that all that commentary is going into that imaginary bucket. And then you are going to flush that imaginary bucket down the toilet because I do not want you to absorb all of that commentary that is coming into you from someone who is not parenting your child directly. You are the mom, you are in control and your choices and what you end up doing for your child are going to be the right choices. And you will eventually realize that as you go through the journey and you look back, you're going to say, I did make a right choice or I didn't make the best choice at that time, but it all worked out because we tend to put so much guilt and shame on ourselves when we pivot, right? Like I was talking about the flexibility that you make a choice and then you decide something else using the breast and formula as an example, but have some compassion for yourself too. And I bring it back to what I was saying is that not only are you having compassion for the things that people say, you just let it go and be like, Hey, look, this is where they're coming from. I don't agree with it, but you also have compassion for yourself and understanding that I don't have to be perfect. I'm learning. And that is pretty awesome that I get to learn and troubleshoot and kind of have the difficult moments with my child to learn more through those difficult moments. I think we expect perfection in motherhood. We expect perfection in life, but you can't have a good life without struggle. You have to struggle a little bit. I'm going to be honest. I don't want people to struggle, but you have to have the hard times. You have to have the sleepless nights to understand that, you know what? I did it. I am capable and I can do this and it is me. And I'm going to have self-compassion for myself to understand that I am human. And 
As a pediatrician, mom, and podcaster, I want to share with you a podcast I recently discovered. It's called Understood Explains, and this season of the show is hosted by teacher and special education expert Juliana Ortube, and it's all about how to navigate individual education plans, also known as IEPs. The latest season of Understood Explains covers topics like how to tell if your child needs an IEP, and it busts common myths about special education. I listened to an episode called The Difference Between IEPs and 504 plans, and I learned so much that I honestly didn't know before. I now feel I can better explain these to my patients and their families and better support them in their neurodiversity journey. Navigating ADHD, dyslexia, and other learning and thinking differences can be confusing, and this podcast helps to validate these struggles and provide actionable tips that are useful for parents, teachers, and clinicians. To listen to Understood Explains, search for Understood Explains in your podcast app. That's Understood explains. Warmer, sunnier days are calling. Fuel up for them with factors, no prep, no mess meals. Chef-crafted meals with options like Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Factors' fresh, never-frozen meals are dietitian approved and ready to eat in just two minutes. With 35 different meals and more than 60 add-ons to choose from each week, you'll always have new flavors to explore. Crush your wellness goals this May with dietitian approved meals and ingredients you can trust. I absolutely love the spicy jalapeno, lime cheddar chicken, and mushroom chicken thighs with wild rice. Keep kitchen time to a minimum with factor meals because they're ready in two minutes. No shopping, prepping, cooking, or cleanup. I work from home and love the convenience and how delicious factor meals are. Head to factormeals.com slash pedsdoctalk50 and use code pedsdoctalk50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box. That's code pedsdoctalk50 at factormeals.com slash pedsdoctalk50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box while your subscription is active. To me, compassion is the root of us not getting angry as much at other people, but also managing the guilt that can happen in motherhood, right? When you have compassion for yourself, you're more likely to say, I know what I know. I'm going to research what I don't. And sometimes people are going to make comments, but that has no reflection on me. That is their background, their upbringing. That is what they want to say. But I I am the mom for my child and I am doing a pretty damn good job at doing this role. Yeah. I love that. And, you know, it just reminds me of a funny conversation I had with my neighbor the other day. She's elderly. She has a little dog and we bond over our dog when we go on our evening walks. And I was just sharing with her about my anxiety. And I said, you know what, Colleen, I have no idea what to do with a boy. I grew up with sisters Mm. and she's like, don't you worry, your baby doesn't know exactly what to do either. So yes. if you don't know what you're doing wrong, your baby doesn't know you're doing it wrong either, you'll be fine. <laughs> it's and, so true. Know. It's so true. And, you know, I think, you know, I create these resources in it with that in mind, you know, like this podcast and my course, because I understand that there's such an art. One of my best friends just had a baby and now the baby's, you know, three months at the time of this recording. And we were chatting about this, you know, she has my course, but I also said to her, I'm like, take the course, but also I want you to kind of sit with your feelings and think before you research, right? Because this whole parenting journey has been done for generations without modern media, without social media, without the internet. We can do this, but I think a lot of times we feel like we can't because of the information, right? The information telling us, well, if you do it this way and you don't do it this way, you're a bad mom, or how could you, and your child's going to be harmed. 
I do think at some degree we have to understand that there is safety that needs to be considered, right? Like car seats and safe sleep. Like we have to respect the fact that there are advancements in what we know for child safety and that we make the best decision on that. But if advice is seeming off to you, or if you're feeling like, okay, this just seems really out there. Like this doesn't seem like middle ground enough for me, then really fact checking it with maybe one or two other resources. And I always say my philosophy is that you should try to ask a friend or someone who may be similar in that same journey as you. So just say when you have your baby, if you have another mom friend, who's maybe like four to six months ahead of you, but still remembers that newborn journey. And then you can also get information from a trusted professional like myself or someone else on the internet, whoever is trusted to you, you want to limit the amount of information you're getting from so many different people. It's like, it's like being on social, you could follow all of the accounts, but then what you end up doing with it is you end up having all the information, but not actually executing any of it. You're just sitting with the information. And that's, in my opinion, useless. You want to get tangible. This is what I'm going to do. Here are my options. Talk to your partner. And also going back to listening to your goals and your insecurities and everything that made you, you, you know, why do I feel this way? Why do I want to do it this way? So that you can have, again, more compassion for yourself and more of that flexibility in the decisions that you make. Yeah, definitely. Another example of just conflicting information, you know, I think about is there's the cry out method for sleeping, but also during the day, if your baby's hanging out and they start crying because they want to be held. So many people will say, yeah, you want to hold them and cuddle them so they don't feel not loved. Mm -hmm. Uh, But then there's the opposite mindset where they say, you know, if you hold them every single time they cry, they're going to get used to being held and they'll never learn to self-soothe. So it's how do you find that balance? How do you know what's right? That is such a great question. And that again is something that you're going to learn with your baby's temperament when they're finally in your arms. And what I say by that is it isn't a blanket statement as to like, oh, do this or do that, because you're going to have that baby and you're going to learn all of the techniques that work for your baby to soothe them. Right. And a newborn, like I'm talking the first two and a half months. Okay. A newborn is really reliant on the caregiver. Obviously infants are as well, like an older infant, but you're not going to spoil a newborn. Meaning if they start crying and you pick them up, you're not going to spoil them because that is how they create that emotional bond, right? That if I cry or if I have a need, someone's going to check up on me. So in that first two, two and a half months, you are going to listen to them you're going to learn about cues, right? You're going to learn, is this a cry that they need something? Are they trying to pass gas? Do they need a diaper change? Do they need to be fed? These are all the cues that you're going to learn. Now, there are going to be instances where you have done everything, right? Meaning you have rocked them. You have fed them if they were hungry. You check to see if they had a dirty diaper. And sometimes they're still crying. Now, at this moment, you have to ask yourself, okay, can I maybe change the scenery? Maybe they need to go for a walk. You're going to go through a checklist of soothing your baby. But when you start to notice that you're feeling a little dysregulated yourself, right? Because when a baby's crying and then we naturally, it's a hormonal thing and it's a psychological thing. When a baby cries, it causes a visceral reaction in us, especially women, the mom, you are going to feel like your stomach is churning, that your heart is racing, that you're clouded because it's initiating a fight or flight response. When you hear someone in distress, right? You're going to be like, what do I do? Right? You want to make sure that you are controlling your reaction. And what that means 
is that you need to either get a glass of water. You need to either take a moment. And if that means strapping your baby on you in like a uh, carrier and walking around the house or going for a walk, if it's daytime, you know, you need to kind of make sure that however you approach your baby is coming from a sense of, I got this. We are going to get through this together. Kind of what your neighbor said, right? You both are going to be figuring it out. You, your baby, the partner that you have in your life, anybody else that's taking care of that child, you are learning about your baby. And then sometimes you're just going to be like, you know, I get that you're crying. It's a little hard being a baby and almost like jokingly talking with them about that, even though you, yeah. they're a newborn and you may not understand that they, you know, that they understand what you're saying, but they do. They're listening to you, giving them reassurance. So when we talk about that crying, I would say that, yes, we are going to have to be in tune to the cries of a baby. That's how we learn about the cry. But there also is an art of pausing. I'm going to give an example. Like when your baby is born and you put them down in a crib um, and they're trying to settle themselves in a crib, right? You're in a newborn phase, that first two, two and a half months, three months. I don't really encourage, you know, cry out methods, all of that, like with sleep training, but you're going to give them a moment, right? When you put them down, if they start to cry, you're just going to give 30 seconds to a minute initially, like when you have that baby. As that baby gets older, as you get more comfortable learning about their cries, you're going to start to recognize hmm, that cry sounds more like a hunger cry. And the more you start to pause before you react, right? So if we start to jump at every sound our kid makes, they squirm, they cry, they make a grunting sound. If we jump at every sound they make, then we're not taking the time for our brain to listen to the cry, right? So let's just say you take a pause. You're going to pause, like you're laying in bed and all of a sudden they cry. You're going to just count in your head, you know, 30 seconds. You are going to take deep breaths. You are going to regulate yourself because I know that crying can be hard and you're just going to listen to the cry. And then of course, you're going to go assess your baby. Maybe the baby's hand is in the mouth and shows that they're, you know, rooting for hunger. Maybe it's a dirty diaper. You smell like a poo-poo diaper or whatever it is. And you are going to then address the need that they have. You're going to do that more and more because then as you get into that one month, six weeks, two months, you're going to start recognizing because you paused, you're going to start recognizing like, "Mm, no, that is a cry that needs me. That is a cry that is not going to self-settle. That is a cry that needs, you know, is a hunger cry. But pausing is one of those things that I really do like, but really understanding that there is a balance because there is two sides. You'll have your mother-in-law probably say, oh, don't pick them up. Um, you're going to spoil them. And then on another instance, that same mother-in-law is going to say, why aren't you picking them up? They need you, right? It's yeah. the reality. And you have to kind of understand that. And even when the, that those people are saying those comments, I know what my baby needs. I'm going to give him a moment. And if he needs me, I'm going to be there for him. And that's kind of what I would say to my mom or mother-in-law in that early phases. If they were like, oh, he's crying. What do we do? I'd say, let's give him a moment. I'm listening to him. I hear him. I'm his mom, you know, I'm going to listen to what he needs. And then I go in and just say we're sleep training later on. And then I'll go in and I encourage my mother-in-law to do the same. I encourage my mom to do the same. And I kind of made that rule. I said, Hey, trust me. I trust myself. I trust Ryan. And it goes back again to that self-trust and that sort of, I can do this, that we're going to see how this goes. And they may still cry, but remember you are going to go in, right? You are going to attend to your baby. Just say you are in that six week mark where the baby's fussy, which happens for a lot of babies. If you're feeling dysregulated and that you're trying to rock them and they're not able to calm down, a lot of that inability to calm that down can be because of the fact that we're not regulated, right? Like similar to trying to deescalate a tantruming toddler. If we're dysregulated and getting upset and like passing the baby frantically back and forth, 
you know, from you to your husband or your partner, you're going to start to feel like it's not going to go anywhere. So when we say take a moment, it means if you're alone, it means putting the baby on their back in a safe sleep environment, stepping outside the room, breathing and screaming into a pillow, talking, you know, like to yourself and saying, I got this. I got this. We're going to get through this together and I can handle this. I'm capable. And then literally pep talking yourself to be able to go back. It doesn't mean that you're going to go back and that baby's going to stop crying. But what it does is that we need someone to be the calm one. And Mm -hmm. I talk about newborn dysregulation with like colic or fussiness, very similar to tantrums, because in both instances, if the parent is frantic and upset, there is no chance of calming that child down. We are not going to calm that child down. And so that's why it's so important to understand that, yes, kids need us. We want to attend to their cry, but also sometimes you are going to need a moment and both are okay. And both are what you're going to learn about as you navigate those first, I would say three months of learning about the cues and the cries and what all of it means. Right. Right. And also, I mean, I guess as you were talking through this and you, you know, you talked about the support from your partner or your husband, mm-hmm. that's another thing, you know, so my husband is a family physician himself. And I know that as far as if I have medical questions, he's, obviously who I go to and I know he'll have, he'll take care of our baby for all of those needs and things like that. But it's also, you know, how did you and your husband kind of navigate those initial days or with all of the noise and different people telling him different things, different people telling me different things. And then how do you get on the same page to decide your parenting style as a team? That is so important. And I think a lot of it is going to be conversations that I want you both to have now for the next three weeks on, again, boundaries with people in your life, I think is really important. And also communication with each other, especially talking to him because he is a male and we call it the non-birthing partner, if you will, about your feelings around feeding, right? Meaning breastfeeding versus formula or and, right? Um, And also just your approach to the newborn sleep stage, right? Like, what are we going to do if baby cries? Are we going to give a moment? Are we going to, you know, obviously do this kind of strategy that me and you are talking about. So before the baby comes having those conversations around communication. So as you probably know, communication is key, like to anything. Listen up. I do not want you to go through the toddler years waiting for it to end. I don't want you to go through the toddler years feeling dread about when the next tantrum will come. If you have a kiddo one to four, check out my Toddlers and Tantrums course. This course contains modules on understanding toddler development and why they are the way that they are, understanding why tantrums may happen, mantras to get you through difficult moments with your toddler, including topics surrounding understanding discipline, boundaries, consequences, time-ins and time-outs, how to teach emotional intelligence and coping skills, and common toddler parenting concerns like whining, brushing battles, bedtime battles, hitting, and so much more. This course presents scenarios and scripts to help guide you on many parenting situations in the toddler years and even beyond. Visit pedsdoctalk.com to learn more about my paid and free resources, including the Toddlers and Tantrums course. I'm Margaret. And I'm Amy. And together we host the podcast, What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood. Margaret, I would say you're sort of a where are my keys kind of mom. Correct. Sometimes a where are my kids kind of mom. (laughs) Well, you're Amy more of a, we were supposed to leave 35 seconds ago, mom. I mean, touche. In each episode of What Fresh Hell, we come at a topic from our usually completely opposite perspectives. I bring the research. And I bring kind of the gimlet eye. Like, is that research really going to work, people? 
And almost 10 million downloads later, we're still laughing. We also talk to experts in the parenting field, plus parents with stories we can all learn from. We make each other laugh, we challenge each other's assumptions, and we have what we think is the best parenting community on the internet. Check out What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood wherever you listen to podcasts. And what I mean by that is also compassionate communication. I don't know if your partner is going to have time off. My husband didn't get time off from work because in medical field, they don't give paternity leave and many jobs, but it's also managing your expectations on what do you expect of your husband and making it very clear on what your expectations of him is. Meaning you just say you'd end up breastfeeding or pumping, right? There's a lot of work that happens to have to breastfeed pump and then clean the parts of the pump, right? So you need to talk with him and say, hey, I, you know, I want to talk about this feeding. I'm really excited about it. I'm, you know, I'm nervous, but I'm also looking forward to it in the nighttime. How are we going to approach? Are you going to help me with the cleaning of the bottles or cleaning of the pump parts? Are you not? And if it's not, then you want to express your comment of, I think that maybe we might want to hire someone or maybe for the two to three weeks that, you know, that first period, I would say the month, maybe hiring someone to help me, like either having grandma come if grandma's available, or if you don't have someone that is comfortable hiring someone, you know, I think we forget the importance of having the community, right? And sometimes that's not going to be your partner. And I don't think that that's a bad thing. Sometimes they're not able to because they work. And that's what happened for me and my husband, right? We were in the hospital and then we came home and I needed that help in the home. So I had my mom there. Right. So my mom and me did most of that. My husband did the nights when he could, but he had to work at a busy job where other people's lives were at his hand. So I don't expect him to be sleep deprived like me. Right. right? I respect that. Like, I understand that he has to go and take care of patients. And I don't think misery deserves company that if I'm tired and, you know, sleep deprived that you should be too, if you have to be at work the next morning and I don't, you know, and then to answer your question about all of the noise, a lot of it was check-ins and that's going to be something that becomes very valuable. And we forget to do that when we have a partner after a baby comes, because we become so consumed with the baby and the baby's needs that we forget about our needs as women. And then also your partner's needs. So when you do get those moments, right? Like just say baby's finally taking a nap and you have your husband with you. I want you to talk about feelings and maybe your partner may not be a feeling person and that's okay, but say, Hey, look, I think this is going to be really helpful. Tell them Dr. Mona said it's really part of the the process of postpartum healing that I just want to talk about how I'm feeling. I want to talk about it free of judgment and also being clear. Do you need help or do you just need someone to listen? Because I often think that when we have conversations with our partners, they sometimes tend to want to fix things, but sometimes you could just be wanting to vent about the fact that, man, feeding that baby is really hard, man. I don't want to do this right now. And I'm freaking tired or wow. I'm so grateful that we have this beautiful human. And that is the final thing in that whenever you debrief, I want you to always end it with something that is good about that day or that situation, because it can become very easy to talk about what's not working in that postpartum period or in marriage or whatever it may be, right? Like this isn't working. I'm tired. I'm this, that, but I want us to really reframe and focus on gratitude of what we got to do that day. Look, sweetie, I'm so tired. You know, you're working all day and I feel like I'm exhausted, but that is true. But I also want to say that along with that, I am so grateful that he's in our life, like this little baby, right? Mm-hmm. I'm so grateful that he learned to say he like starts pooping and, you know, he starts like, you know, giving signals on rooting or something like give him props for being a baby, right? He's yeah. a baby and you are 
leading the ship, right? You are in charge of this home with your husband. And it's so nice when we can hold some gratitude without denying the difficult. That is how we get through the good and the bad by not saying it's all good. It's all good. No, it's okay to say I'm freaking tired, but I also really love when he started to smile at me or, you know, he just, he started farting in his sleep, like add humor to it. Like we got through those early stages by humor. There was one moment where we were laying in bed and Ryan was going through a fussy episode where he wasn't hungry. He didn't want to be held. He just was having a colic episode, if you will. And me and my husband just laid on the bed and just laughed, laughed. And we were just like, so this is it. This is it. Like, and my husband said it perfectly. He's like, this isn't going to be forever. This phase is not going to be forever. And we often think when we're in those moments of the newborn phase or tantrums as a toddler, that this is life, that this is permanent. This is just a small portion of our life with our child. So you may get those moments where your child is fussy. I want you to tell yourself, this is just a moment. We're going to handle this and we're going to get through it. And that communication with your partner is not only going to help you all get through it, but it's also going to help you block out that noise because you are communicating and having compassion for each other and also for yourselves to say, I have this barrier that anything anybody else says, you know, it is us. We are the team. Me and my partner, we are the team in raising this child and everybody else will have their opinions. Other people on social media may say, do this, that, or the other, but I want to listen to you. I want to tell you how I'm feeling. And that's how we're going to really connect and make the biggest goals as parents. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. And I guess that's what, you know, ultimately we've been talking about it so much lately where we have the logistics ready, right? The baby gear, the shopping, and, you know, we have our pediatrician picked out and all of these other things. And then we look at each other and we say, we're going to be responsible for a tiny human are we ready? Can we do this? And there's just so many questions, right? So many things. And all the decision-making that's involved, again, to go back to that, as soon as your baby's born, I'm sure someone's going to ask us about circumcision. And Mm -hmm. we're going to make a decision that we're going to make that's going to impact our baby for the rest of his life. (laughs) You know, and how do you feel confident that you're making the right decision, right, with the information that's in front of you? And that goes back to knowing both sides, right? So using that circumcision as an example, understanding that 50% of the world circumcises their babies and 50% of the world doesn't truly, I don't have the exact data in front of me, like a research study, but I can tell you from my office that I see 50% of babies who have it, 50% of babies who don't. And can I tell you both of them grow up to be amazing babies and humans and men. So it's really understanding that when you think about a choice, you're going to know that there are so many people that do things on the other spectrum of what you're thinking. And that if they are happy with their choices, if they're doing well, you know, we know that then it's okay. Right. There are certain things, like I said, and I'm going back to this, there are certain safety things. I'm going to talk about like car seats. There's no, some people may say it's okay. We didn't put my kid in a car seat. The only thing that you cannot debate is safety, you know, in terms of safety stuff, like you got to think about the safety risks, even within safety stuff, there's like people turn their kids forward facing at two. Are they terrible parents? No, absolutely not. It's just more of a risk situation, right? That yes, turning forward at two, your kid might be better suited to be rear facing, but I would never look at those parents as being negligent parents, right? Sure. Not putting your child in a car seat is negligent and there's no debate around that. So it's really starting to tell yourself, Is this something 
that is going to really harm my child in any way? What are the risks of this if I choose to make a decision? Am I okay with those risks, talking about things like medical procedures, vaccination, all of that, knowing that the science and the medical community, what they're saying. So it really comes down to taking the education from a medical perspective, medical and safety, but also saying, does this make sense for us? Is this something that works for our child? You know, and that is how we kind of balance that sort of should I, should I not? And yes, you're right. That is a pretty big decision that we're making for our child. And I always say, like, I have families come in and they're like, I don't know what to do. I'm using this circumcision as an example. And I tell them, if you don't know what to do and you are still going back and forth that day that baby is born, then remember, you can choose not to do it and that child can choose to do it later. But I want you to know that if you chose to do it, that your child is going to be fine, you know, that it's routinely done, but that you always have that option that you can leave that option for them if you're on the fence, right? It doesn't have to be done in the newborn period. I have families who the child is uncircumcised and later decides that he wants to get circumcised. Like the child himself is like a teenager or adult, right? Um, Or I have ones that never really want it, but I'll never have it where someone who was uncircumcised is upset and, you know, because they don't know anything different. Right. So um, so it really comes down to, again, deciding what makes sense for you and your partner and really just making sense of that noise comes down to looking at your options and then deciding and understanding that, okay, here are the pros, the cons. Here is a big picture going back to that big picture mentality that if I don't want to do it, could we wait? Yes, you could yeah. wait, but if I don't wait, and then you're, you're making that decision, understanding the big picture of the entire situation. Right. I love that. I definitely feel so much better talking through these things with you because at the end of the day, I mean, you're right. That's what you have to do. And I think that somehow you start trusting yourself that what you're doing is the right thing for your baby. And I think the two take-homes I'll have as like a wrap-up would be you know, the perspective and compassion are two of the most important things that we can have as human beings. Perspective is what I was mentioning about that big picture perspective, right? Mm -hmm. Is this really going to impact my child negatively? Is this in the best interest of my child's safety? Is this something that makes sense in the large scheme of things? That is the first thing that we ask ourselves. And then we understand and show up with compassion for ourselves and Compassion for self is the most important thing you can do as a mom and your partner, but also, like I said, compassion for all of the noise. When you show compassion for the noise, it does not mean that you are going to accept that noise as truth, right? You're not going to allow those people to have control over you. What you're doing by having compassion for the noise is that you are saying, I still have my beliefs, but I can see why they feel that way. And I'm not going to let their energy or let their words consume me. You are in control that way. And that is a huge power thing that I learned in the last two and a half years later, I would say in the last year and a half about that sort of, I'm regaining power and control over my mindset because there's no point in getting angry. There's no point in getting frustrated or irritable. Yes, it's a human emotion. So don't feel guilty if it happens, but we want to try to find it where we can learn to either create physical boundaries where you don't see that person who constantly is in your face telling you this, that, or the other, and making you feel like a crappy person. But if it's tolerable and they just kind of say comments here and there, it's learning to have that compassion and blocking out the noise um, that's going to serve you so well. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. And I, again, love talking to you. I will touch base with you, which I do with all of the guests that come on in about a month or two, and you'll probably have your baby by then. Um, And I'm just so excited to hear how you're doing. You know, so much of this journey, like I said, is learning to block out that noise, but that noise is so hard to block out 
I hope these are more tangible tips on how we can approach, you know, that sort of balance um, as we become mothers. Yeah, yeah, definitely. You know, I love that. And the two points that you mentioned to wrap up, it definitely sums up, you know, everything that we've been talking about. So that's definitely something I'm going to be taking with me at the end of our conversation. I really loved talking with Deepika and I just really love these conversations on my podcast because it's so much more than just showing up for our children. It's how we are going to show up for our children and the noise that happens from online information, the people in our lives can really impact how we find peace in our mothering journey. I want to wrap up this episode like I do with all Monday mornings with Dr. Mona episodes with three take home points. Now, these are things that can really serve you well in any aspect, whether you are a parent or not, whatever you are dealing with. Number one is compassion for others. I mentioned the importance of having compassion, even when someone is saying something that really annoys you or is not something nice. It doesn't mean that you're being permissive of that behavior. It's just a coping mechanism so that you can tell yourself that this has nothing to do with me. It has everything to do with them. And I am not going to let them have power over me. And I want you to hear it again. This does not mean that you are being permissive. Sometimes when people are kind and compassionate, they can be seen like a pushover. No, you are setting your healthy boundaries. But when something is triggering you, you're going to have compassion for the situation and say, this is not going to consume me. That person feels this way because it's their past, their insecurities, and has nothing to do with me. And I am doing the best I can for my family or in my choices. Number two is putting things into perspective, looking at the big picture of your mothering or parenting goals and your child's development and growth, right? Focusing on that big picture can really make you understand that is this going to really matter in five years? You know, we talked about breast and formula feeding. The reason why I have perspective is I see those children who are formula fed when breastfed is put on a pedestal. I know that formula fed babies have healthy outcomes. I was also a formula fed baby. So I know that it is okay. So it's really important to get all the information, but also maintain that perspective on your big picture goals. Because there's gonna be so many things in our journey that says, okay, I'm doing something wrong. In this moment, it wasn't what I was supposed to do. But when you look back five years later, right, you're gonna look back and say, eh, it really didn't matter in the long run. So I want you to really practice that and put that into perspective. Number three is flexibility. Having flexibility in different situations is going to bring you a lot of peace. And when you're trying to block out all that noise and get all of that information and you have all of this information at your fingertips, you're going to sometimes say, well, I want to do it this way, but if it doesn't work, I'm okay and I will be flexible. And that can bring you a lot of peace because you are not stuck in one way and feel guilty when you have to pivot. Be okay with understanding that there's going to be pivoting in your parenting journey. Children are going to change. You're gonna have to work with your child's temperament. Between two different children, you would have to pivot with different strategies or different understandings of their emotion. So it's really important to have this mindset as you approach motherhood and beyond. Thank you so much for joining me on this episode. If you found this helpful, you have to make sure to write a review, call this episode out, and make sure to share it on your stories on social media and tag me at Pete's Doc Talk. And I cannot wait to talk to another parent next week.
feel like you're the martyr in your family, you're not alone. Hey, this is Joanne. And Brie. And we're from the No Guilt Mom podcast. Brie, we talk to a lot of moms. Yeah, we sure do. And if you're a mom who has a to-do list that is so massive that you get overwhelmed and you shut down. Or if you fall into the habit of doing everything for everyone and don't know how to change it, we can help you become a no guilt mom. We're going to take you from family martyr to family model. That's role model so that you role model the behavior that you want to see out of your kids. You're going to go from being tired and overwhelmed to energized and guilt free. Every week, you'll get actionable strategies that you can implement right away from the experts that we interview and from us. We also have a whole lot of fun. So check out the No Guilt Mom podcast everywhere you listen to your favorite shows.